the test? Okay. I guess you got surprised with this test, right? But you had two weeks. Hallelujah. So everybody's through with the test. Okay. We'll wait for Brother Willie to go around and I'll pray. Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We adore you, God. We lift up your name. God, we thank you for allowing us to come together again. We thank you, Father God, for that our hearts are open and receptive to receive, God, your word on tonight. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, God, which he will lead us, guide us into all truth. He will be our teacher. He will be our helper on tonight. God, let there be light. Let there be illumination through this word that it penetrates our very beings. It comes out of our mouth like a two-edged sword, like a fire that devours everything going on around us. God, like a hammer which breaks the rocks into pieces. So I thank you, Father, that I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to go over the order of the church um, dealing with the Ark of Covenant. And I know it was a lot of information that was given to you last time, and I heard, heard some people tell me, you did not slow down. It was just too much. But I hope that um, through last week when we were not here, it gave you time to go back over what we went over so you will be where I am tonight. So we talked about the Ark of Covenant. First of all, this teaching that we're doing is dealing with the order of the church, the way God wants the church to be set up. God had a pattern back in the Old Testament and the pattern that God gave um, the Israelites, it led up to Jesus Christ. It led up to the new covenant that God had made. So when we deal with the pattern, it's God's way of doing things. We don't want to do things out of the pattern of God. When we start doing things out of the pattern of God, God cannot manifest himself the way he needs to manifest himself. Because God go by his word. So we want to make sure that everything that we do is in alignment with his word. We have too many people that's um, doing things outside of the pattern of God. And that's why it's called the tradition of men, which make the word of God of none effect. When we go by tradition, when we go by the way that a man or a woman want things outside of God's um, word, it's got, the word is not going to have any effect because it's not God doing it. It is man doing it. So we're going to start here with the Ark of the Covenant. Um, it was a question on the test that said, what was the purpose of the Ark of Covenant? Now, we know the purpose of the Ark of Covenant, it was a place that um, God's presence was. It was the place of God's presence. So we can find that in Exodus 25, 22. And in Exodus 25, 22, this is where God said he will commune with um, Moses. It would be above the mercy seat, but the mercy seat was um, an overlay where the cover, the lid, 
for the Ark of Covenant. So it was a place that Moses would uh, commune with God where God would speak to um, to Moses. So it was a place of God's presence. Now, what was the Ark of Covenant made of? You can find that in Exodus 25, verse 10 through 15. So if you put that down on the test, it's giving you a description of what the Ark of Covenant was made of. Then it was, what did the crowns of gold around it represent? That was not on the test, but it represent kingship. And that was Revelation 17, verse 14. So we're describing what it was made of, and the crowns that was around it represented kingship. We also talked about um, the contents in the Ark of Covenant. First of all, the Ten Commandments were in the Ark of Covenant. It was like a, a, a box, like an ark. It was the Ten Commandments. So those Ten Commandments that were in the um, Ark of Covenant, Exodus 25, 16, says, And thou shalt put into the Ark of Testimony, which I give unto thee. So testimony, it represents the commandments. So they call it an Ark of Testament. Um, testimony, they call it an Ark of Covenant. So if you hear those two words, it's the same thing. So it was the Ten Commandments that was put into that Ark. Now, those Ten Commandments that was put in there in Exodus 19, this is when God was on that mount, and the Israelites said that everything that God commanded them to do, they will do. We know that they spoke too quick because they began to do things outside of God's commands. So by those Ten Commandments going into that Ark of Covenant, it's reminding the people of the Ten Commandments, but it's also reminding them of how they rejected God commands. So by that being placed in there, it's it's a reminder for the Israelites. It also was a pot of manna, and this was bread from heaven that God had fed the Israelites with. And that's in Exodus 16 when um, they were rejecting that bread. They didn't want that bread no more. They wanted some meat. So that was put in there according to Exodus 16, um, 32. This is what God told Moses to do. I want you to put that in the Ark of Covenant because that's going to remind them. Also, it reminds them of the provision that God made for them while they were in the wilderness. So from generation to generation, when that's in that Ark of Covenant, they're reminded God provided for us, but they also rejected what God was given unto them. How many know we as saints, you know, we may have um, sometimes some things that we don't want, we complain. I don't want chicken today. I want steak. Can't get no steak, so we complaining. But God provided, you know, food for us to eat. But I look at the word of God and how we have spiritual food, how we have the word, and we reject this word. How do we reject the word? By us not going into the word. Or we go into the word and we're hearing what the words say, but we don't do. So that's rejecting the word as well. We look at um, another thing that was in the Ark of Covenant was Aaron's staff. And that staff was the staff that budded. We talked about that in number 16, where they wanted um, to take the position of Aaron. There was Korin, Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. They wanted his position. So they wanted to stand before the Lord as priests. But the problem was God didn't give them that position. He gave it to Aaron and he gave it to Aaron's sons. 
but they wanted that position. So they had to come before God with that censor, with that fire. And y'all know what happened to those three men because they were rejecting God's authority. So what he did, he took rods for the 12 tribes and he put it down and he said, the one that bud, this is the one that I have chosen to be priest. So it was Aaron's rod that budded. So he put that rod in that Ark of Covenant to remind them that God is the one who have chosen the priesthood. It did not come from man. It came from God. This is what's happening today in the church. You got people choosing people for positions that God have not put them in. They feel like these people are qualified, but God is the one that call you and anoint you and appoint you to where he will have you to be. So we cannot get outside of the call that God has for us. So we have to be careful, even in the church, when we say, you know, God say you a prophet. You know, some people say that because they think that everybody who prophesied is a prophet, but everybody who prophesied, that does not mean that they have a call of a prophet because when you prophesy, that's part of the gifts of the spirit and the Holy Spirit stir those gifts up as he wills. It is not for us to determine who's a prophet and who ain't a prophet, but we will know through the Holy Spirit. So we have to wait on our calling. So we see those were the three things that was in the Ark of Covenant. And I asked the question here, um, how does the contents in the Ark of Covenant represent Jesus? The Ten Commandments. Y'all know Jesus came to fulfill the commandments. He didn't come do, came to the, do away with them, but he came to fulfill what they could not fulfill. So all those commands that they told God that they could fulfill, they couldn't. So Jesus came to fulfill them, and that's in Matthew, the fifth chapter. And also, I gave you a scripture in Romans 3. It talks about... Um, being justified and being made righteous through the blood of Jesus. Now, the manna. Jesus is the bread of life. We talked about that before in John 6, 32. He is the bread of life. He's the one that come from heaven. And he's the one that um, it says in John 6, 32, Moses gave you not the bread from heaven, but my father giveth you the true bread from heaven, which that's Jesus. And John 6, um, 48 through 51 talks about that as well. And then Aaron Rod, that budded. And that's dealing with Jesus Christ when he came down from heaven, not to do his own will, but to do the will of the Father. So he was up under the authority of the Father. He did not reject his authority. He did what God had called him to do. This is why when Jesus was going through and he was sweating blood in, in the book of uh, St. Luke, he said, you know, he didn't come to do his own will. He came to do the will of the Father. And he said, Father, not my will, but let your will be done. So Jesus was in alignment with the authority with what God had given him. He knew his assignment and he fulfilled that assignment. And this is how, and then in 1 Corinthians 15, 20, dealing with the rod that budded, he said that he was risen from the dead and became the first fruit of them that slept. Remember the rod, it, it began to bud. That was the first fruit dealing with the um, almond tree. And then uh, John eleven twenty five said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believe in me, though he were dead, yet he shall live. So Jesus was representing um, that rod that was put in there. So all of that is what we had on the test. Was that a lot? Didn't seem like it to me. Because when you put it all together, I, I was only looking for one scripture. But it was a lot of scriptures, but 
by two or three witnesses, let it be established. So you had some references to go to, to use, but some people say that was quite a lot. But when you go into the word of God and you get the word in you, it just seemed like it's not a lot. So forgive me if I'm moving along fast. And I think some people say I couldn't even follow you on um, live. <laughs> when I'm moving, when it comes to the word of God, I just keep it moving. As the Holy Ghost is moving, I'm moving, y'all. So you might have to go back and watch it and watch it and watch it. But I can tell you this, the more you get this teaching on the inside of you, when you start opening up and when you start talking about the tabernacle and dealing with each piece that was in the tabernacle, you will amaze yourself. You'll just go fly through it because the more you study on it, the more it becomes a part of you and you're bringing it together. Um, the um, Old Testament is foreshadowing what's yet to come, which is Jesus Christ. So when you put it all together, you will understand what is meant by all of that. Now tonight, this is what we're going to do tonight. We're going to talk about the mercy seat. And y'all, what I was going to do, I was going to talk about the mercy seat, and I was going to talk about those angels that was on that mercy seat. But then I stopped because I said, if I give you all of that, y'all will say it's too much. So I had to cut the angels out tonight. So prayerfully, next week, we'll go over the angels. Y'all probably saying on the inside, thank you, Jesus. That's probably what you're saying. Thank you, Jesus. You won't put no more on me than I can bear. But when the word is being put on you, you can bear it. Because the word is what gives you life. The word is what quicken you. The word is what make you come alive. So before you get into that word, you should say, God, quicken me according to your word. So the word is going to bring life to you. So let's talk about this mercy seat. What was the purpose of the mercy seat? Now, I have a long definition here, so I'm telling you right now. Don't be sitting up there trying to write word for word of what I'm saying. Go back to the live and listen or get you a CD. Amen. Now, I'm, I can't do it just slow because I feel like I'm moving too slow, so I have to move, y'all, okay? What was the... Now, let y'all want me to do it like this. What was Jennifer said yes <laughs> Jennifer I can't help you with that one baby what was the purpose of the mercy seat did everybody write that down it was the lid for the ark wow it was a lid for the ark and it's called to a cover for the ark on it the high priest sprinkled the shed blood of the sacrificial offering to make atonement for sin. On it, the high priest sprinkled the shed blood of the sacrificial offering to make atonement for sin. So the mercy seat was a lid. It was a cover that went upon the Ark of Covenant. The Ark of Covenant was a box which contained the Ten Commandments, the manna, and Aaron's rod but there was a cover that was placed upon the ark of covenant which was the mercy seat it went over the ark of covenant everybody followed me and it was a lid it was a cover and it was used to um, where the priest came in and sprinkled blood the sacrificial blood to make atonement for sin is that good everybody follow so you can find that in Exodus 26, verse 34. 
Exodus 26, verse 34. And thou shalt put the mercy seat upon the ark of testimony in the most holy place. Y'all, I'm going to tell you something. God give you answers <laughs> to your questions right there in the word of God. If you take the time and go back, you will see God is going to tell you what the mercy seat is for. So Exodus 26 and um, verse 34 tell you that it was a cover um, that was upon the ark of testimony in the most holy place. Now, this is the other part that I gave you. I said it's where the high priest came in and he did this y'all only once a year. He came in and sprinkled blood on top of that mercy seat to atone for sins. But check this out. The reason why he done it once a year, remember throughout day by day, they were sacrificing animals, right? For their sins, to cover their sins. It didn't do away with, it covered. But once a year, the high priest went in there and he sprinkled blood on that mercy seat, not only for the people, but for himself as well. The reason why this was done, it was just in case they missed something throughout the year. Isn't that something? So God had a way of doing that. So in Leviticus 16, verse 14 through 16, it explains what I just told you. Leviticus 16, verse 14 through 16. It's explaining what I just told you about the priest. So the purpose of the Ark of Covenant, I gave you two scriptures that verify what I said the purpose was. God is not going to tell you anything unless he verified in his word. And that's how you're going to know it's God. So when you get ready to explain something to someone, you just can't say something. You have to show them in the word what you're saying. You have to verify it through the word of God. So what was the mercy seat made of? There's a scripture for that. That's Exodus 25, 17. But I want you to notice something with this mercy seat, y'all. Remember, there's the holy place and the most holy place, right? Y'all, when we get into the most holy place, ain't no wood in here. It's just gold. Ain't that awesome? It says that the mercy seat, and thou shalt make a mercy seat of pure gold. And it's describing um, the length and the width, the cubic and everything. That's Exodus 25, 17. That's what it's made of. Now, when I talked about how God spoke to Moses, what God did, you had the, the covenant, the um, Ark of Covenant. You had the lid and cover over it, which was the, the mercy seat. Now, I'm not messing with the angels tonight because I'm, I'm not going to give you too much. But you had that lid, that cover, which was the mercy seat. Blood was sprinkled on it for the priests and for the sins of the people. But when you go up here now, Moses, when he was speaking to God, God was above that mercy seat. He was above it. So this is representing God's throne. Let me give it to you. Number 17, number 7, verse 89. Teresa's trying to get a mental picture of that. Number 7, verse 89 says, Now when Moses went into the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat, the gold cover. That was on the ark of testimony from between the two cherubims. And he spoke by special revelation to him. Y'all, isn't that awesome? 
So everything that God did, he had a pattern. And I want to back up to um, the holy place. You remember we talked about the um, altar of incense and how they had to take the coals from the um, first altar, the altar of um, sacrifice. They had to get coals from that to burn the incense on the altar of incense. So when they did that, guess what? When that smoke or that aroma went up, it went over to where God was. So when God smelt that sweet aroma, we know that that represent the prayers of the people, right? But the people could not come before God until they had done exactly what God asked them to do. So by this priest going to the mercy seat to sprinkle that blood, if that priest went to that mercy seat before that sweet aroma reached God, he would have been dead because he was out of order. That was not the pattern of God, the way God wanted to be. So everything had to be done accordingly. Now, remember we talked about those coals that come off the, um, the, the what we call that altar, the, the brazen altar. Remember that those coals had to come off there. That was the sacrifice, right? The lamb, that lamb that was righteous, right? So when it went with those incense, it was showing that they were in right standing with God through what? Through that sacrifice, which was Jesus Christ. So that means that that priest could go into that next room because it's showing that they were in covenant they were in right standing with God by them by him smelling that sweet aroma that was them prayers coming up from the people and the and the priest was standing in on their behalf but if that priest if they didn't hear nothing and they ain't see no smoke they know he was dead come on y'all we got a good God don't we so God would speak to Moses that's number seven verse 89 now let's get to this part How did the mercy seat represent Jesus? How did the mercy seat represent Jesus? The mercy seat and the blood represent the atoning sacrifice that Jesus made for the forgiveness of sin once and for all. The mercy seat and the blood represent the atoning sacrifice that Jesus made for the forgiveness of sin once and for all remember now the priests when the priests went in there once a year that was the day of atonement the reason why it was called a day of atonement because atonement means to cover meaning that their sins were going to be covered on that day but they had to go into the most holy place to put that blood on the mercy seat for the sins that they committed that was not covered throughout the whole year to be covered So we see here that Jesus, y'all, this is just so good. Because of Jesus' blood, because of what Jesus done for us, y'all know it says that Jesus um, died. He, He was that sacrificial offering, and he died for our sins once and for all. Remember, the priest would have to go in there once a year, right? When Jesus was that final sacrifice, he did it once and all. And this is the thing with Jesus. When Jesus died and he rose, Jesus went and sat down on the right hand of the father, meaning that it is finished, meaning that his blood is on that mercy seat, crying mercy for us every day. And by him crying mercy every day, do y'all recognize you got new mercies? 
every day. That means because of his blood for once and for all, every sin that you have committed, past, present, and future sins, his blood is on that mercy seat reminding God that I can come before the throne of grace to obtain mercy in my time of need. Not because of what I've done, but because of Jesus' blood. Y'all get it? Don't, isn't that, don't that make you feel good? To know that he was the final sacrifice, these priests had to stand, but Jesus sat down. Because Jesus said this is a once and for all sacrifice. Jesus ain't going to keep going back and forth from earth to, to the throne to do it every day. He did it once and for all. Let's back it up with scripture. Look at Hebrews 9, verse 11 through 12. Hebrews 9, verse 11 through 12. But Christ being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. So that means that it's a done deal, y'all. Eternal mean forever. That means he's not going to go back in there and do it again. So this is the problem that Christians have, that saints have, the set-apart ones have. When we do something wrong, when we do something wrong, the Holy Spirit convicts us. What did he convict us of? He convicts us of righteousness. He lets us know that we're in right standing with God. So as he convicts us of this righteousness and he reminds us of what Jesus already done for us and how he redeemed us, how he justified us, how he sanctified us, how he reconciled us to God by the blood, by Jesus' blood, then we will turn, that means that we will repent and we will say, God, forgive me. Now we know that God already done forgave us for past, present, and future sins because the blood is on the mercy seat, crying mercy every day for everything that we don't even know we're going to do. Jesus obtained eternal redemption for us through his blood. But being that we know what Jesus done, when we mess up, we will be so quick to repent not because we don't know that we're already forgiven, but it doesn't give the enemy enrolled in our life to do what he want to do to bring condemnation. So the more you know who you are and who you belong to and what Jesus have done, you ain't going to want to do what you're doing. And see, this is why Christians have such a hard time with um, walking with the Lord is because if you ain't spending time with him, knowing who you are, knowing what Jesus done, knowing who you belong to, then you're going to try to keep working it out for yourself. That's self-righteousness instead of knowing what Jesus have already done on your behalf. So we have a problem as saints because we really don't know what he's done. When you know what he's done and he done away with sin, let me ask you something. Who want to sin? Who want to be in the midst of that? You don't. Because the closer you get to him, the farther away from sin that you want to be. And some people are entangled with the yoke of bondage. They're in slavery. They're a slave to it because they really don't know what Jesus done. See, that's why we're going over 
um, the tabernacle because when you go over this tabernacle and you know what the people had to do to get to God, but when we know what Jesus have done on our behalf, we can stand before the Father and he don't see us. He say, yes, son. He don't say, yes, Athea. He say, yes, son. Whatever you asked in his name, he said, it is yours according to my word. So see, we don't have to beg God for nothing. You go in some places, people stay on their knees. That's why they probably got arthritis. They stay on their knees so long in front of that altar. Oh, Lord, please come. Oh, Lord, we need you right now. And then somebody starts saying, come by here, Lord. Come by here. Oh, Lord, come by here. Y'all know the other part. Somebody is praying, Lord. Like, okay, yes, somebody, but who is it? Come by here. Then they part. I need you, Lord. Come by here. Then they start just shedding tears and act like they're doing something. And God said, please. <laughs> God ain't hearing that. Let me tell you why. Because when you know what you already have, the only thing you got to do is go to him and say, I recognize I'm not coming to you on my behalf. I'm coming to you on the behalf of what your son done for me. So I know it's already mine. So, Father, I thank you that healing is mine, deliverance is mine, prosperity is already mine. The joy of the Lord is my strength even on today. I thank you that I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me so you won't have a problem going to the Father. Sometimes we feel so condemned before we go to the Father. And I remember I used to say, well... Let me just go ahead and get me repenting out the way. And Lord, uh, I know I've done this right here, but I'm going to pray anyway for anything that I don't remember I've done. Y'all remember them lean prayers? Lord, I'm going to pray for what I ain't know I've done yesterday. Now we're going right back to the Old Testament, right? Everybody know what they've done. You know what you're doing even before you do it because you had to think about what you're doing before you do it. You knew you were going to curse that person out before you cursed that person out. You knew you were going to sleep around before you slept around. You already knew this stuff. Some people say, I didn't mean to do it. Yes, I did. I done it. That's just the honest to God truth. But thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God. And then some people use this, but he done gave me new mercy. He didn't give you new mercy to keep doing what you do. So this is why I say the church don't really understand what Jesus have done because saints are staying in the, in the same mess that they were in before they got born again. But if they know exactly what Jesus done and they start living according to what he's done and quit trying to do it yourself, you will see more of the manifestation of God in your life. So this is the purpose of the order of the church, knowing God's way of doing. And guess what, y'all? Everything we need is right here. Your answers are in here. And you're not by yourself to find them. He had the audacity to say, I'm going to give you a teacher. I'm going to give you a helper. I'm going to give you an advocate. I'm going to give you an intercessor. I'm going to give you one that walks alongside of you. So no matter where you go, when things come up in your life, you can say, wait a minute, Holy Spirit, I don't understand that. I need some help with that. And the Holy Spirit will help you, and he's only going to testify according to what the word of God is saying. Y'all, we have no excuse. Let's quit saying the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. You wanted to do it. Let's quit saying the devil made you do it. 
Because the devil can't make you do nothing no more than what you want to do. Because God gave all of us a choice. We always blaming on the devil. I wouldn't be like this if it wasn't for the devil. No, you wouldn't be like, you like that because you choose to be like that. Come on, when people really want to lose weight, they lose weight, don't they? They get tired of being blowed up all the time. They said, I want to come down just about five pounds sometime. Let me just drop five pounds and be happy for a week. If I blow back up next week, so be it. Y'all know what I'm saying? Let me be happy, Julia, just for one week. Let me just wear this dress and look good for one week. Y'all know we're doing. (laughs) So when it comes to the word of God, and we stay in the word and allow the word to get into us, y'all. We will be living the word. And it won't be no struggle. So I pray the mercy seat has helped you. The last part is dealing with those angels and why they sit in there. I think that's the most beautiful picture it is. With those angels sitting right there on that mercy seat. And God put them there for a reason. So we just need to understand God's way of doing things and why he did it. And then looking at the New Testament and seeing how all of it come together for us today. So we can quit doing what we do and understand what Jesus have already done. Don't it make you feel good? At times I'll say, wait a minute. Why am I worrying about that bill? Ain't like I can pay it. God, I thank you. I'm a king's kid. And I thank you money cometh to my house it belonged to me because I'm a king's kid I'm part of the citizenship of heaven and heaven ain't broke so God I'm following what your words say and as long as I'm following what your words say I'm commanding money to come to my house I don't care which way it come just drop it off y'all know what I'm saying shoot he might send you a drug deal and say for some reason (laughs) I needed to drop off an offering here Give it here. Let me plead the blood over it real quick. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. You don't know who he's going to send your way to give you what God has for you. But when you know who you are and what he's already done, our job is to decree and declare what's already done and allow it to come to us. Just because the earth is tore up, we from heaven. And, and we're supposed to be representing heaven here on earth. So we're supposed to say, well, that's how you want to live. That's you. But I don't live like that. I ain't from here. Well, how, haven't you been down in Berg all your life? I come from heaven. I'm just, this ain't my home for right now. Because I'm going to be up there in seven years. But I'm coming back to a new heaven and a new earth. So see, we got to know how to answer people according to the word. And the moment you begin to answer them according to the word, the atmosphere begin to shift and God begin to move in the midst of those people. And they'll be like, I want to be a part of where you come from. Because where you come from, you got everything. So see, that's why we supposed to get to know him. And the more we get to know him, we don't have to live like we don't know him. Y'all, your bank account could be tore up for the flow up. But you can walk amongst people and they'll be saying, man, you got it going on. Amen. It is so. Thank you, Jesus. And, and you, then you hear the enemy whispering in your ear and you're so broke, you disgust. The devil is a liar. I got more than enough to do what I need to do. Have you checked your bank account lately? Yes, I have checked it and I see money. <laughs> I don't see zeros no more. So you got to see what the kingdom got, not what you got in the natural. You got to bring heaven bank account down here to earth. And you got to speak to those things that be not as though they were. And sometimes it is discouraging when you're speaking and you go check it. Ain't nothing there yet, Lord. But that don't mean you ain't putting it in there. 
So God, I thank you that I have what I need because I know what Jesus done. Jesus didn't do all this, y'all, for us to live the way we live in, for us to act the way we act in. This man gave up his life so we could live, so we can have life and have it more abundantly. Come on, y'all. He did it for us. He did it. And if he did it for us, we should live like he's did it. He's done everything that we need. Jesus have done it for us. Amen. So we thank God for the teaching tonight. I hope you got something out of it. Athea looking at me like, I want more. No, you didn't want more last week, so you ain't getting no more this week. <laughs> Thea like, it's over? <laughs> no, it ain't over yet, Athea. Let's see what time it is. What we're going to do tonight, we just need a few people. A few people. Last week we went over, and I'm going to let Rico go first, because I think Rico was ready and had to turn back around and go home. So we're going to let Rico go, and what Rico is going to do from the beginning of the tabernacle on up to um, the Ark of Covenant, we want you to start there and end at the Ark of Covenant and tell us about it. And Rico, just leave the mic on when you lay it down because we got so many running up here to get this mic. You know, just lay it down easy. Praise the Lord, everybody. Um, You know, God has shared with Moses that he wanted a sanctuary built where he can dwell among the people. And, of course, it tells you what they brought to him and everything. The tabernacle was built um, right at the foot of Mount Sinai in the heart of the camp, which the camp consisted of the 12 tribes. And after it was finished, Moses had went in and God has instructed and anointed the tabernacle and set everything in place like God instructed him to do. When one would come to the tabernacle, when you would look upon it, you would see a big white fence that surrounded the outer court, and it was covered with um, white, shiny linen, and it was built tall enough where no one could go over it. It was built firm enough at the bottom, and it was tight enough at the bottom where no one could slip under it. They had to come in through the gate. And the gate <clears throat> representing Christ today being the way, the truth, and the life. And he said that no man coming to the Father except they come by me. So they would enter the gate with their sacrifice in their hands. And um, the sacrifice that they carried in, um, whether it be goat, bull, or lamb, it had to be the best of their herd and their flock even in the cereal offerings, it had to be of the finest flour um, seasoned with salt. So the sacrifice representing Christ today, Christ was the sacrifice for us, and he was the perfect lamb of God. And he was out with, was without blemish, and he died for us once, our sins once and for all. And he redeemed us back with his blood. So they would hand the sacrifice over to the priest. They would lay both hands upon the sacrifice and um, slit the sacrifice from one side to the other up under the neck um, and place the sacrifice upon the brazen altar. Now the brazen altar was made from um, shittim wood and it was overlaid in brass and this is where they put the sacrifice upon to be offered up unto the Lord and they would take the brass pots and they would the blood would be drained in the pots and as the altar 
offering was burn, burning and going up unto the Lord, they would take and um, dash the blood round about the altar and even on the four horns of the altar. Um, <clears throat> after the brazen altar, one would see the laver, um, the piece of furniture called the laver, and it was made out of complete brass. And it was the duties of the priests to keep this particular piece filled with water. This is where they went and washed their hands and their feet before entering the holy place. Now, this was also in the outer court. And once they left the laver from washing their feet and their hands, um, they would enter the holy, holy place. The laver represents today the word of God um, being that laver for us, how it washes us and cleanses us. And um, the more we stay in it on a daily basis, how we begin to see a reflection of ourselves. Amen. So... We're leaving the outer court, and now we're going into the holy place. And the holy place would be this beautiful room, and the walls were overlaid in gold. And the first piece that you would see in the holy place would be this tall candle-like lamp stand, and it held seven candles upon it. And it was the duties of the priest to keep these wicks trimmed, on a daily basis, and they also had to make sure that they kept the lamp filled with oil um, for the continual burning of the light in the holy place. And what they used for oil was the crushed olives that the people brought um, to make the oil to put in the lamp, um, typifying today Christ being the light of the world. The next piece that you would see would be the table of showbread, and this table sat in the holy place. It was made of the shittim wood as well. It was overlaid in gold. And upon this table, um, they kept 12 loaves of bread. And the 12 loaves represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And the way they stacked the bread upon the table was in rows of two. And um, the bread would be changed every seven days by the priests. And on the seventh day, the priests would eat the bread in the holy place. Um, and like I said, they would put more, more bread upon this particular table. And this table represented the bread of presence, Jesus being the bread of presence and the bread of life. Uh, let, let me take a breath. The next piece would be um, <laughs> the altar of incense. And it sat further back in front of the veil. And um, it was made out of the wood, the shittim wood, and it was overlaid in gold as well. And upon this altar, the priest burnt the incense. And when the smoke from the incense rose, that represented the prayers of the people going up unto the Lord. Upon this altar, they had to burn a specific type of incense that would release a sweet aroma unto the Lord's nostrils. And... Um, they could not burn any strange incense upon it. Now we're leaving um, the holy place and we're going into the holies of holies. And then the holies of holies is where the Ark of the Covenant dwelt. Um, the Ark of the Covenant um, 
was made out of the wood, but it was overlaid in gold inside out. Mm-hmm. Now, the lid upon it, as Apostle said too tonight, the mercy seat was made out of pure gold. Mm-hmm. And the angels that were on top of the mercy seat that were bent inward with their wings spread, it was made out of pure gold as well. Um, the walls in there were draped in pure gold as well. It was a beautiful room. Um, in the Ark of the Covenant was <clears throat> the two stone tablets that God had wrote the Ten Commandments upon. Um, also in the Ark of the Covenant was Aaron's rod that had buzz upon it. It had blossoms upon it, and it yielded almonds as well. Um, also, there was a pot of manna in there. And the pot of manna represented how God fed the Israelites six days a week um, for 40 years, I believe, 40 years. Mm-hmm. And um, on the sixth day, he would give them double so they wouldn't have to go out and gather on the seventh day. Mm-hmm. So um, that's what the pot of manna represented. Um, Aaron's ride, how that came about, you know, when Aaron was appointed the high priest, there was some mummering going on among the other tribes and uh, in the camp that, you know, they didn't pretty much believe that Aaron was supposed to be in that position. So um, God had Moses to go throughout and collect these rod-like sticks from the leaders of the tribes and have them to put their names upon it. And so God told Moses to lay those rods in the holies of holies. And the next day when he went and checked upon it, um, Aaron's rod was the only one that had budded and blossomed and yielded almonds. So that was proof that God had put Aaron in that particular place. Um, in this room, I do want to mention um, this room, the holies of holies, was lit up by the glory of God. The lamp that was in the holy place didn't light up the holies of holies. It was the glory of God that lit up Amen. the holies of holies. But the lamp lit up the holy place. And and God's presence dwelt among them. Um, It was like fire by night over the tabernacle and a cloud by day. So I give God glory because the veil, when Christ died for us, um, the veil was rent from top to bottom. Mm -hmm. It was rent from top to bottom and that made it where we could come before the Lord with boldness and a high priest don't have to go on our behalf like they went on the people's behalf in the holies of holies once a year and sprinkle blood on the mercy seat on their behalf to make sure they covered everything and that was from year to year but thank god that not only he is our high priest but he was our atonement for sin and i just give god glory for that because when i think about what all those people had to do I saw myself just going to other people's house and stealing their cattle and goats and just trying to cover my cherry, you know. I said, Lord, it would be a time. We'd be killing one another, you know. But I thank God for turning all that stuff around. I really do. And, uh, you know, for dying once and for all for our sins. And we don't have to have a stationary tabernacle. He made us moving tabernacles and the spirit of the Lord dwells on the inside of us. And then we can tell people the good news of what Jesus done and what he is and who he is to us today. 
Rico, Rico, look, look, I'm going to tell y'all what was so funny. I'm going to tell you what was so funny about this. This is funny. My girl was knocked out for about six weeks, hadn't been in these Bible studies, knew nothing about these Bible studies. I'm going to close it out with Rico because I believe y'all need some more time. Because she even went over stuff I left out. So I know, baby, you've been in your word. I know God been showing you stuff. I know God been filling you up. And it's even more yet to come. Every time you open the word, there's going to be such a great light, Rico, such a great illumination, such revelation like you've never seen before. And people are not going to be able to shut you up. Because you're going to end up telling them this is what the words say. No, 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 no. That's not what the words say. This is what the words say. Oh. We're going to close on Rico because I believe y'all need some more time. I don't think nobody else want to come up here. Some people might, but I don't think nobody. I can hear people now. I don't think we need to do nothing else. Rico done done it all. That's what I hear y'all saying. <laughs> I, I, I don't need to come up behind Rico. But I'm telling y'all, Rico was not in here. Y'all know she wasn't in here. And look how she come back through here. Where you get your information, Rico? My Bible, uh, Exodus 25. <laughs> <laughs> and I even, uh, I, well, you, you told me where to start, but I wanted to start where they, the, what they were bringing to Moses, right. the different items, and how he had to stop the people from bringing it. He brought she so much in here, more than enough. See, she wasn't even here on that teaching. <laughs> Y'all, let me tell you something. That's somebody that would get a certificate. <laughs> to be honest with you, that's how school's supposed to be. You're supposed to shine. When somebody asked you and she did it so much with confidence. Somebody, let me take a breath. She didn't take a breath because she couldn't breathe. She took a breath because it was so much coming <laughs> that she had to take the time to stop. <laughs> Thank you, Rico. Look at God. But I did think of one thing on your behalf, Cliff, back there. When Rico say, if we had to bring all that stuff to, to God and go steal it from people to get it, Cliff would say, that's okay, baby. We put that in our freezer. We cut that up and eat it. And that's what I can hear from your husband back there. We just cut it up and we eat it, baby. We have more than enough. <laughs> look at God, y'all. Isn't that awesome? So look at what God is showing y'all through Rico. Wasn't here. And went through. She done threw it. I thought, sure. I said, Rico, if you touch on them angels tonight. She was finna hit it, y'all. She was finna hit them angels. Huh? They overshot. Oh, she going into the next teaching. Y'all might not need it next week. But be ready. This is what Clem is about. You supposed to be able to tell people what you're learning. And the way she explained it, I knew that's how God gave it to her. He's not going to give it to you the way he give it to me, but we're going to be on one accord. And when you take it from him the way he's given it to you, you're going to flow freely. You ain't going to sit up and think about well, what did apostle say? No, you're going to go on what the word said to you, but we're going to all be on one accord. Amen. Y'all, isn't this good? Kim? Yeah. And she was there. You know why? Because when you're in the word, you're supposed to see. You're supposed to visualize. And she was visualizing all of that 
before her. Rico, God is taking you to a place, baby. He's taking you to a place. And that's a good thing. That's what the word's supposed to do. It's supposed to take you to a place. And one thing is, you don't wait the day of the study. You study every day. And as you study it every day and you go back over it, more end up coming. And then it just fits. So you don't wait a day before a test and cram because you ain't going to get it like you need to. But as you go over it and start seeing it, that's when it's a part of you. Amen. To God be the glory. Jennifer. Jennifer, can you get that mic so they can hear you on live? When we went over, you know, talking about the brass represented the sin that had to be judged and then the silver represented redemption and what um, God had dropped into my spirit was like if you see brass, you have to polish brass. It tarnishes and silver tarnishes, but gold doesn't tarnish. Mm -hmm. And I thought about, you know, God and the, and he just dropped that into my spirit. And when you said tonight about the the uh, mercy seat being pure gold. Mm -hmm. And I said, God, that is awesome. Because I had never given it thought before until we started learning or teaching, you know, she started teaching on where the, with the brass. When she started with the brass, mm -hmm. I just thought that was just awesome. That God don't want us to miss anything, y'all. He want us to know where he's coming from. So we give God glory for what we have learned so far, y'all. And it's more yet to come, but you just have to open up your heart to get what God has already provided. And I want to say that um, we have somebody, y'all, that is not even amongst us that be keeping up with us. Trina, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. She be keeping up with us because um, I had gotten something from one of our uh, video people that said, I want to show you what somebody had put on the broadcast. She was right up with us. Right up with us watching and knowing. So by her sitting here, she already know where we are because she already been there. See, this is why I tell you it's so important because you never know who's on the outside taking in what's on the inside. And they're waiting for you on the inside to give them a continuation, <laughs> a way they left off. And you be, uh, uh, what you say? You heard them the first time. So this is why we all have to be on one accord so we won't sit up there and look like a deer in headlights saying, uh, say that again. <laughs> yeah. So I, I just love it how people are toning in and they're getting, you know, and I'm going to ask you, Trina, through this teaching, what have you gotten? Can You want to come up here or you want somebody to take you the mic? Uh-huh. Here, I'll give you the mic so they can hear you. Come on down. Come on down. <laughs> well, um, I, a lot of y'all don't know me, but I live in, I actually live in Texas. And um, Kim brought me here before, um, her and her husband. And the very first time I came in here, I just realized the Holy Spirit lives here, y'all. Y'all are so blessed to have such somebody who can teach the word so effortlessly. And you know that she actually speaks to God. 
It's just such an awesome gift that you all have, and I don't know if y'all appreciate it or not, but I tell you what, even in Texas, I appreciate it a whole lot because I tune in every week and I look forward to it. And I've learned so much because we never learned this in the churches that I've attended, the order of church and how things are really supposed to be done. And God is, he's a God of order and a God of, he gives us information so that we can apply it to our lives. And if we don't understand it, we can never apply it. And so she gives it to you so easily. Y'all just so lucky to have somebody that can really actually show you the order of how things are supposed to go. So you can never, you can go anywhere in the world and go to church and say, oh, no, this ain't it. This ain't it. This is not, this is not how things are supposed to go. And it makes the word come alive for me. It really makes the word come alive for me because the way she explains it is so plain. You know, even though it's, it's such intricate information, she makes it so easy for me to understand. And that's a gift. That's an anointing that's upon her. And I just thank God for her. And I thank God for Kim for bringing me here. And I mean, that's all I had to say. Amen. <laughs> thank you. We give God glory because God has something for each and every one of us. But y'all, I'm learning this right here. If you hungry, what do you do? You eat, right? You know, if you don't eat, you know, your body just start acting up, start doing flips. You feel like you're going to faint. But when you get that food in you, you, you feel much better. So when it comes to the word of God, every opportunity that you can get to eat that food and you know you're getting the right food, you should not neglect that. You should appreciate it so much because you never know when you're going to need it. Some people say, well, I done had that. But evidently, God wants you to have more of that. He want to give you more revelation on the same word that you say you already had. But if that word is not coming alive in your life, that means that God said, I'm taking you back to that plate because it's something I want you to eat off of that table that you're not eating. You keep spitting it up, and there's a reason why you keep doing that. So don't take the word lightly. Quit hitting and missing the word. We hit and miss the word so much, it doesn't matter when we miss it. I can tell when I miss the word. One day for me, missing the word, it upsets me. Because it's not because I'm trying to be better than anybody else, but the word is so much a part of me. And I know Manny looking at me and he can agree. When the word is so much a part of you, y'all, you want it. You want your spiritual food. You got to have your spiritual food because you're saying, God, there's something else you want to say to me today that I didn't get out of this scripture yesterday. So I'm not going to move, God, until you say what you need to say. So don't hit and miss. That's what I hear the Lord say. You hitting and missing when it comes to the word, but you don't hit and miss on your job. Keep hitting and missing at work. They're going to fire you. So we don't do that when it comes to the word of God. Don't hit it on Monday and then come in here on Sunday and act like you've done something. Because when you're hitting the word on a daily basis, people are going to know by your lifestyle. They're going to know that change have come to you and your house. As for me and my house, we will, we shall serve the Lord. Amen? Come on, give God a hand, clap of praise. All right, Deacon Willie, the deacons can come up at this time. We do our offering. Do we have any announcements that need to be announced at this time? We do have our process.